What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post game live here on Dime Dropper for the 2023 24 season after Lakers and Suns and the debut of Damian Lillard. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. I can see it, I can feel it, I can sense it. We are almost at 5,000 subscribers. Please hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live or post any video of any sort live after Laker and Clipper games for the most part, if I'm not at a Clipper game. But I told y'all I'm going to do a better job of trying to go live after Laker games this year and so far two for two. 20 people watching on Twitter? Okay, you know what? I'm not going to touch it tonight, but I would be very thankful to every single person that's watching on Twitter if you click on the link below the video you're watching and go to YouTube because that's where I make my money. That's where the base is. So if you do that, I would really love you for that and subscribe. But for watching on Twitter, thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. So the Damian Lillard 76ers game, I only really got to watch the second half. I was uploading the vlog in the first half, so I was kind of half-ass watching. So by the way, the vlog is out. My first vlog of the season. Amazing atmosphere last night in Staples Center in terms of relative to other opening nights of the Clippers. You can make the comparison yourself. I have vlogs for all of the last three. First day of the 207 section. Russell Westbrook and the boys just played amazing. I'm not going to talk about the Clippers in this episode because I really said it all. And I also did locked on Clippers, but check the video out. I got a new phone. So the camera's really good, but I realized there's one thing HDR video that the new iPhone has from 12 to 15. It doesn't go into my premiere, right? It has like this weird extra brightness. So I had to adjust them manually. So I turned the HDR off on my phone. So let me know if any of you guys have the iPhone 12 to 15, let me know if you ever turn HDR off and how much worse the video is because even though the video is going to look much better in the vlog, which, by the way, you guys got to check out and comment on because it's so many fans, so many great things in it. The vlogs are going to another level this year. But I'm going to start um, turning off HDR and seeing how it works. So let me know if it's way worse, but it still looks really good. But just know it's going to get even better. But let's get into it. Lakers and Suns in this one. I heard this morning that Devin Booker and Bradley Beal were going to be out. Bradley Beal was out with that back injury. He's already missed both games. And Devin Booker out with a foot injury. Now, he was questionable to play against the Golden State Warriors, but he looked amazing when he played, right? Didn't look like he was injured at all. Then he now is listed as out. Me being the load-managing hater, I was a little skeptical, but it turns out that he actually is injured. 
Uh, it's not that I doubt that he's injured. It's just that I doubt how serious it is. But it says that he probably is going to miss the next game too. So they said he tried to give it a go. Didn't play. Of course, they're going to side on the precautionary side as an organization. But that's not a good start for the Suns season for two of their best players to be injured and they're going to miss a couple of games. Puts the onus on KD a lot. So it's really a must win for the Lakers. And I'll tell you what, it was a tough game, a game that was tougher than you would expect, a game that a lot of people are going to grow the Lakers and say, look how much they're struggling against the Phoenix Suns team without Bradley Beal and without Devin Booker. But at the end of the day, NBA players are NBA players. Kevin Durant had one of his best games I've seen in a while. And you just got to find a way to win games in the NBA. At the end of the season, that win is going to be equivalent to all the other wins that they win when they play amazing. The Lakers didn't play amazing. They couldn't hit a three to save their fucking lives. They were extremely sloppy in the first half, getting outworked, second to loose balls, getting killed on the glass, turning the ball over carelessly, illegal screens, just tossing it up recklessly. LeBron had five turnovers. I mean, it what the Suns were playing much more, uh, playing with a lot more effort. They were taking care of the ball better in the first half. They were just playing with a different intensity. A lot of the offensive rebounds were just off pure fight that Phoenix was getting. And the Lakers, for two straight games now to start this season, have gotten off to weak starts where they're a little lazy, letting their t- uh, the opposing team throw the first punch. I know, look, I've been watching the game for long enough to see when a team is fully engaged defensively and when they're not. I talk about it with the Clippers. I talk about it with every team I watch. The body language of the players, communication rotations, physicality defensively. Those are three easy ways you can see how engaged the team is defensively. Lakers in the first half, not so much. And even the great Anthony Davis, who I consider the best defender in basketball, wasn't really that, you know, I didn't notice him much in the first half defensively. Second half, different conversation. But let's talk about why this game was so hard for the Lakers. I turned on the game or they transferred the game after the Milwaukee one when the Lakers were up seven to nothing. So I didn't see any of that. But as the Suns started getting more comfortable and Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen started in place of Beal and Booker, but as the Suns started getting more comfortable, I thought one of the ways they started doing that was their defense was pretty good, especially at the point of attack. Josh Akogi and Grayson Allen, I think, were working pretty hard and not letting any of the Lakers really get two feet in the paint because we know that Nurkic is a weak defender in space and in the pick and roll. He's going to be in drop coverage. So you can't leave him on an island. You can't leave him guarding two guys at once. I thought Okogi and Grayson Allen did a good job against D'Lo and Reeves. And again, just like the Nuggets game, the Lakers strategy was to put the ball in Reeves and D'Lo's hands and a lot of pick and rolls in the first quarter. Not much of throw it to AD and get out of the way. Not much of LeBron pick and roll. It was mostly those two. And in this game, D'Lo got off to a better start. It took Austin Reeves a little bit. But D'Lo, I thought, was really good in this game overall. Both ends of the floor had some plays defensively where he had active hands and was just working harder. And again, second straight game, I can tell that D'Angelo's making an effort to play better defense. Is he going to get burned a couple of times? Is he going to get beat over screens a couple of times? Of course he will. He's never going to be a great defender. But he can be solid, and I think so far this season he has been solid. But the Suns really got to slow down the pace. And I think one thing with Phoenix this year, and I think it's pretty – consistent with Frank Vogel teams is they're going to play a slower pace. And I don't think the Phoenix Suns, even though they have some athletes like Watanabe, Okogi, I think for the most part, they're going to play slower with the big three, all uh, besides Booker, you know, Beal and Katie are 30 plus. You got Nurkic in there. I don't think they're going to be a very run and gun team. 
And I think the pace was really favoring them in the first half. Not to say that the Lakers are going to be a running gun team by any means. They're going to be older and slower and half court as well. But I noticed that the Lakers were trying to run in certain situations in this one. Not as much as my Clippers last night, though. But they were trying to run in certain situations, especially off turnovers. But they couldn't get the stops in that first quarter as it went on. Josh Okoge was fantastic again. I thought he could have played more. I don't, let me see how many minutes he played. Because I didn't feel like he played enough. Okay, 33. So maybe he did. He could have played a little bit more. I don't know why Grayson Allen is playing 35 minutes and Josh Okoge is playing 33. I think Okoge has been better in both games. I think he should have been getting 35-plus minutes, quite frankly, the way he was playing in the first half. But Kevin Durant, in my opinion, he was the best player on the floor in this game. You can honestly make an argument for the, one of the Lakers because they ended up winning the game. But KD just had a big responsibility to shoulder in this one. But I thought he was the best player in the game. And I think he's the best player of those three. In my rankings, if you want to go check out what I said before the season, top 10 players in the league, I had KD ranked number eight. And then I had Booker nine, AD 10, and LeBron 11. And I still think KD, after what I saw tonight, is better than LeBron and AD, even though he lost. And the help is it's totally different when the Lakers are basically fully healthy outside of Vando and Kevin Durant uh, is, you know, his second best player is Yusuf Nurkic. So it's it's a difference. I think Devin Booker might be better, though, as I said on the last live, um, might be better than KD now. But anyway, the Suns started to play a little slower, started to get decent shots. I thought what really was hurting the Lakers was the Suns were killing them on the glass. They had like 12 second chance points in the first quarter alone. And the Lakers, a lot of it was just ball watching. The Suns just being more active on the glass, just wanting the ball more. Torian Prince, he had an amazing first game. Absolute 180 in this one. Twice in the first quarter, he was ball watching on an offensive rebound. Kevin Durant was getting him into foul trouble. He couldn't guard him at all. Took a couple of very questionable shots. KD was very tough to stop without fouling for the Lakers tonight. And you saw KD not get many calls against Golden State. But in this one, they were calling the fouls. And a lot of them off the ball, you know, freedom of movement. KD's moving around. And the Lakers are getting way too touchy-feely with bro. So Phoenix, not only with their good defense, but the Lakers, they still were getting a lot of good shots in the pick and roll and just missing. You know, Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent. Another really rough first half, in my opinion, for Gabe Vincent who for whatever reason, maybe he's going to be Darvin Ham's new Dennis Schroeder this season. He got a long leash to play, and he's handling the ball so much, and you know, a couple of his threes are very questionable. I thought he took two very questionable threes early in the shot clock that the Lakers just did not need. I don't mind the mid-ranges. A couple of mid-ranges across the board for the Lakers in that first quarter when they went cold. AD, Torian Prince, Gabe Vincent, D'Lo, and they just weren't falling, and KD started to feel himself, started to get going. So the Suns had a big run to end that first quarter. And I thought Aaron Goodwin was someone, Jordan Goodwin, I'm sorry, was someone that was playing really well in the pick and roll in that first half. The first time the Lakers went onto the screen, he made him pay. And they started fighting over the top, started hitting the floater. I thought he was doing a good job finishing around the painted area and just doing well in that pick and roll. But yeah, the rebounding for me was the big difference in that first quarter. Lakers not doing a good job taking care of the ball in the first half at all. And the, the Suns led 30 to 18 after one Rui Hachimura. I thought he played some pretty good defense when he came into the game in the first half, 
but he was subbed out so quickly as Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes came in. And Jackson Hayes just picked up three quick fouls. I thought he tried hard, but what can I say? He was contesting shots. That's the best I can give him. A couple fouls. Doesn't really offer much. I still, outside of the crazy athleticism that he has, I still haven't seen much from Jackson Hayes in the NBA to make me say, oh, he's a really solid backup center in this league. I really don't know. But I will tell you this. Rui Hachimura not playing like that, I don't know if that's the best thing for the Lakers. He is going to be one of the better bench players in the league this season, or so I thought. But Gabe Vincent, for whatever reason, got so many more minutes. Let me see the distribution. Rui got 12 minutes and Gabe Vincent got 35. Okay, that's ridiculous. For The, the Lakers, to me, have three guys, D'Lo, Reeves, and LeBron, that should be handling the ball and pick and roll, and everybody else should be playing a role. AD can go get you a bucket. We know this. But I'm going to talk a little bit more about the specifics of that in a sec. But you don't need Gabe Vincent to have such a big role on this team. The Lakers' advantage now that they didn't have when they had Russ was the size that they have. And you saw that on display in the fourth quarter with Wood, LeBron, and AD all out there. But with LeBron, AD, Wood, Vando when he comes back, Rui, Torian Prince, you got a lot of wings. Cam Reddish even. You got size. You don't need to lean so guard heavy when you already have D'Lo and Reeves. And the main thing is you're taking the ball out of LeBron's hands a bit too much for me. And I know LeBron has a problem with it because he spoke up about it in the inside tracks I heard on uh, Tuesday. He said, you know, I'm a point guard too, right? I can do it. We know LeBron wants to play on the ball. I mean, I don't think he's good off the ball like that. He's a good cutter occasionally, but especially at this age, I've been saying he doesn't work quickly off the catch like that. Same with Kawhi because they're bigger guys. So they don't aren't able to really turn the corner as quickly or, you know, they don't They LeBron hasn't really been able to work quickly off the catch like that. Besides like a curl going to his right since really the Miami days. But when he was like slender back in Cleveland, the first seven years, he could work quickly off the catch and he was flying all over the place in the half court. But the thing is now he's more of a, you know, broad, he's always had the broad shoulders, but now he's just so big. He's not as quick unless he's running in a straight line. And he likes to turn and face. And I, I say the same thing about Kawhi, that Paul George is better working quickly off the catch. And what I mean by that is not a catch and shoot quickly off the catch. I mean working quickly off the catch when it comes to putting the ball on the floor or just quickly reading the defense kind of before you even touch the ball, which guys like Booker, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Kevin Durant, really good at doing. And you saw that a couple of times from Katie in this game. He catches the ball back to Bassett coming off a screen. One dribble gets to his right and then fades off the glass going to his left. You know, takes a dribble to his right and then fades going to his left. It's just amazing. He did it several times in this game, Kevin Durant. But yes, I see a comment. Robert Paulson says before the PEDs. I'm not going to go there, but he did have that insane quickness. LeBron still gets crazy acceleration, especially for his age, but it's mostly in a straight line. So off the ball, a lot of times he's just standing around. Like tonight, he, in the first half, he was just standing around on both ends of the floor. It was such a quiet first half for him. But in the second quarter, I thought he started to get going a bit. You know, he hit one three. You started to see him catch the ball at the elbow and make some plays. Gabe Vincent, with his, ex his extended minutes, made some nice extra passes. One of them was to AD making a three. And I thought Dila was really good. So the Lakers, despite playing like absolute trash in the first half, outscored the Suns 30-22 to in the second and went into the half down 48-52. to I thought that Cam Reddish, again, had some solid moments defensively, but he was fairly quiet relative to the game against Denver the other day. He only played 12 minutes, had four points, one rebound, and was two for five from the field, 0 for three 
from deep. Jackson Hayes, donut, two rebounds. Didn't play in the second half. Only played six minutes and didn't get a shot up. But second half, I thought the Lakers came out with much better defensive intensity. More active, communicating better. LeBron was a little more engaged. D'Lo was more engaged. And they started to create turnovers. A lot of them. And they started to make the Suns pay off those turnovers. But the problem for the Lakers was they could not really string together momentum plays. When I say that, I mean a couple of stops in a row or a couple of threes, period. And in the third quarter, I didn't think LeBron, before he came out, was doing diddly. And by the way, in the first half, he was sitting out for a very extended stretch. This has been a big topic of discussion after Tuesday. That LeBron is going to be reportedly on a minutes restriction of about 28 to 31, they're saying, or 28 to 30. And everyone's saying that's that's too little. You know, LeBron can still play 32 minutes. Last season, he averaged 35. He's not your average 21-year-old. I'm sorry, 21st-year guy. But we know what the strategy seems to be for Darvin Ham with LeBron and just the LeBron strategy this season. We saw it in the playoffs a bit last year, and it still didn't really work. But it's like the Larry Bird approach. You let everybody get going and handle the ball a little more throughout the game, and then the fourth quarter, you save your legs and take over the game. It worked tonight. It worked tonight. But in the third quarter, LeBron wasn't doing anything really on defense either. Two straight games, not much activity from LeBron defensively, which has been typical of him the last couple of years uh, in the regular season. But KD was absolutely putting on a show in the third quarter. It was something to behold. Again, you know that you cannot play drop coverage against KD Lakers going into that high drop a bit, but sometimes it's not high enough because if you give KD a glimmer of daylight, it's pretty cash. You know, Clippers found that out the hard way. Kevin Durant, when he's playing like this, I think he's up there with the best of them all time. But this is my issue with KD is against better competition that get a little more physical with him. He's not always going to that mid post, that elbow, like we were seeing tonight. Tonight, he was catching the ball in that mid post and that elbow so much. And basically the Suns were saying, get the ball to Katie and everybody get the fuck out the way. And the Lakers were loading up heavy or doubling every single time. And I thought through three quarters, Katie was making all the right reads for the most part. And a lot of times it's that big that's going to come over. Whoever it is, whether it's Eubanks or Nurkic, has to do what Zubas does for the Clips. Flash middle so they can get that little push shot six feet away when they're loading up like that. You know, if your man... Kids out there watching, if your man is staring at somebody like that and just basically leaves you, don't just stand around when your teammate can't get you the ball. Go cut and get in their line of vision to make it easier for them, please. And that was something I thought Phoenix was doing fairly well. I thought Katie was finding them well. And again, for the goats of the goats that are mid-range assassins, you don't even need to draw that second defender. If they're loading up and you want to just say, okay, you better commit to me, or else it's basically like I'm one-on-one. Katie would go away from the double, and there was one time where he hit a shot in the corner um, over, I think, Reddish. But KD, 15 points in the third. I thought, as far as the Lakers side in the third, D'Lo was playing well, scoring more in the pick and roll. Defensively, as I mentioned, more active. And Reeves had five points. And the Lakers cut it down to three, but every time the Lakers would cut it back, the Suns would do an amazing job of making a very timely three to prevent the Lakers from just catching them score-wise. Eric Gordon hit a big one in the third. Grayson Allen hit a big one in the third. And to top it off, the Lakers just couldn't hit any threes. They couldn't hit one to save their lives. Gabe Vincent, LeBron, D'Lo, they created a ton of good looks. So I want to say this to Laker fans. 
don't panic so much. Make or miss league. I thought the Suns, even though they didn't shoot well from three like that, I think they shot better than the Lakers. Let's take a look. Oh, my God. Suns shot nine for 31 from three, 29%. Lakers shot five for 29, 17%. Absolutely atrocious both ways. But as far as the Suns, look, they still had four more threes that went in, and some of those were very timely. The Lakers, so far this season, not off to that great of a start shooting the three ball. But again, I've, I think these shots are going to fall. They're very good looks, a lot of them, outside of some of them that were taken by Gabe Vincent. But like D'Lo, for example, was one for seven from deep, and almost all the shots he took, I said, good shot. I had no problem with it. And I think those are going to fall. But as for a guy like Torian Prince, he really got taken out of the game. He couldn't guard KD without fouling. He was 0 for 5 in just 18 minutes of play. Had a donut, which was total 180 from his amazing debut. But the third quarter, the Suns outscored the Lakers 32 to 24. I thought KD was playing well on both ends of the floor. Took a charge in the first half against Rory Achimura. Had a huge block against Gabe Vincent. KD, I think his defense is really underrated. And I think Candace Parker also mentioned that in commentary. And I totally agree with her. But as for the defense, the best in the league, Anthony Davis, two blocks in the third quarter. Again, you saw the Lakers in the point of attack being better. And one thing I thought that was fairly interesting about the Lakers was that they were switching Austin Reeves onto KD. But they weren't doing that with D'Lo. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember the Lakers or the Suns trying to put D'Lo in the action that much tonight. If they did, that means the Lakers weren't switching because I never remember D'Lo guarding KD at all in this one. But KD played the whole third and was cooking. Suns were up 32-24. I'm sorry, they outscored the Lakers 32-24 and led by a score of 84-72 going into the fourth. And it didn't look like the Lakers were going to come out with the win, but then we saw what the LeBron saving for the fourth strategy was intended to do because the Kang in year 21 put the team on his bag do and got the job done outplaying Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. You could say the same thing. And both of them played the entire fourth quarter. So that was a business decision. We're going to play this whole fourth quarter. We're going to get the job done because we're not going to start this season. zero and two, and we're not going to be embarrassed by losing to a team that has no Beal and Booker especially for a fan base that probably played or paid out the ass for tickets tonight. And I think it starts with the Lakers forcing more turnovers. One of the things that everyone's been talking about this year is that the Lakers are going to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. Well, you got to start out because the Lakers offense, it's, it's going to be half court. It's going to be slow. That's what LeBron James offenses usually are. And even this one, they're not super leaning into LeBron ball right now. It's, it's very, let those other guys work in the first couple of quarters. and then LeBron takes over in the fourth. You're going to need more from Austin Reeves, though, with this strategy. You're definitely going to need more from Reeves. And I honestly think you can get more from LeBron before the fourth without giving Gabe Vincent so much leniency. Because, look, you don't need so many guards in the, in, the, in the lineup when you have LeBron James. That's like having a guard. And then why not have more size defensively? So I... I just think Gabe Vincent has the potential here to be the next Dennis Schroeder for this team. And granted, I think Gabe Vincent made some good defensive plays. I've noticed he has fairly active hands so far in these first two games. But his shot making or lack of it so far has been kind of tough, and he has taken some rough shots. But And one of them, that, that was a silly decision to go 
on the other side of the basket for that reverse when he could have just gone up strong on the right-hand side and KD blocked him. You know, he gave him time to – it's like in 2K, right? When they don't go up strong and they do that bullshit wraparound, giving the defender more time to to recover and block. It was exactly like that from Gabe Vincent. But it was the Stars in the fourth that took the Lakers home. When KD was out of the game, the Suns were crumbling, absolutely crumbling. I thought Anthony Davis did a really good job in this game of sealing deep And even though he wasn't trying to attack in isolation, he, and I wouldn't even say it's a he thing. I think the Lakers weren't really looking at him to attack in isolation, which makes me bring, which brings up something I wanted to talk about is, is Anthony Davis good enough as that number one option isolation wise to win a championship? Because he's not the same ISO player he was in New Orleans. He's not as quick, he's not as agile, he's not as lean, and he's not as good jump shooting. So right now, he's a guy that gets his points in the flow of the game, meaning on rolls, in transition on a rim run sometimes, offensive rebounds. If he's got a little too much space against the big, he knows he can attack, go at it. Maybe a mismatch, you get the occasional jump hook. Now on this one, I thought AD was shooting almost all the time when he was turning around over his right shoulder. Only one time did he shoot over his left, and it was actually the and one to give the Lakers the t- to tie the game at 87. AD sealed pretty well several times in this game. There was one time in the first half where Christian Wood made a nice bounce pass to him. Then in the second half, had a couple of them in the fourth quarter. In the fourth, a lot more LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll. As I said, you know in the fourth quarter, it's going to be LeBron-centric. They're saving his legs for the fourth. That's what the strategy is. And you saw more of that, and the Lakers are obviously going to get good looks with that action. Even though LeBron doesn't turn the corner the same way he used to. Even, by the way, when I say turn the corner, I meant off the ball. It's a different kind of movement. When you're straight away, it's a little easier to get downhill. When you're moving and you're not just moving in a straight line, that's when you see the slender guys, the team acts of the world, the KDs, the Paul Georges. They work a little quicker off the catch, can spin the other direction. You know, just better ball handlers as well, more smooth. But, you know, for Kawhi, Luka, LeBron, it can be clunky. Really can. And they're also all those other guys I mentioned are better shooters off the catch. Just better shooters in general from distance. Kawhi is pretty good as well. But for the most part, he's not that quick off the catch at all. But still all amazing players I just named. Those are very small, like nitpicking things I'm doing. But Lakers continued to force turnovers in that fourth quarter. A lot, more, a lot, a lot better ball pressure, active hands. Vincent active defensively, but as I said, playing a lot. Anthony Davis getting going, LeBron getting going. And when the Lakers tied it at 87, that's when I felt the momentum was shifting. LeBron, in when he had that split in the pick and roll when Nurkic came out to hedge. That's when I felt that he was going to take them home. And I've had a big criticism. If you go back to the lives of the last two seasons, LeBron in the regular season has had a really hard time closing these last two years. In the playoffs, we saw him do better because Reeves and D'Lo. So now we're going to try to see this strategy pay off for the Lakers further down the line throughout the season. Let D'Lo and Austin Reeves handle the ball more in the first three quarters, and then LeBron, take them home, save your legs for that fourth, minutes-wise and reps-wise, handling the ball. The question is, can you afford to have him off the ball, especially when he doesn't really move like that, for that long and be okay? You're really going to need Austin Reeves and D'Lo to be more consistent. 
But also, the Lakers making their open threes, their open shots, alleviates a lot of these issues. I think right now it feels like the sky is falling for the Lakers' offense. Got to calm down. The shooting is going to be, you know, make or miss league, the variance. I think the Lakers are going to be fine in that respect. But they're a little sloppy. Mindset-wise, they got to come out a little bit sharper, in my opinion. But when LeBron split the D, went all the way for that, he started to put Nurkic in that pick and roll. And just like we saw against Chris Paul in the third quarter of that Warriors game, started to get exposed. And LeBron had two really nice finishes into the chest of Nurkic, gave the Lakers a four-point lead. And KD, he was getting doubled in that fourth. And Christian Wood, I thought Christian Wood was really solid today. Rebounding, scoring on the interior, and he can play alongside AD because he can stretch the floor. I thought at the end of the game, him guarding KD was an interesting choice. You saw a lot of bodies on KD in the fourth. AD, LeBron, Wood. And I thought they all did decently. Even though KD still got some buckets, he was the only one getting buckets. And the Lakers knew that. So they were sending doubles at him, loading up on him. And KD made some really bad reads in the fourth. And that's another one of his always weaknesses for me. He's not a great passer out of double teams. Not a great decision maker out of the load up. I thought he was great in the first three quarters. But when you put the pressure on him, get more physical defenders, the pressure's on, more physical, bigger guys, he falters a bit. The Lakers outscored the Suns 28-11 to 11 in the fourth. Just 11 points for the Suns. So part of that, amazing Lakers defense. Second part of that, the Suns just not having anyone else besides KD that stepped up. The Suns, you could see their lack of depth tonight. A lot of Suns fans want to say, oh, we're, you know, we actually have a fairly deep team. No, you don't. It's just not as bad as some people say. But I think one thing I've been impressed by with Phoenix is their defense is not as bad as everybody says. Yuta Watanabe is a better defender than they think. Josh Okogi is a really good defender. KD is a better defender than they think. And so is Devin Booker. I think Nurkic and Beal are really the weak links. Anthony Davis, shout out to him, made some big free throws to end the game as well and sealed it, put the Lakers up four, and the Lakers won it 100 to 90. I'm sorry, to put the Lakers up five. And the Lakers won it 100 to 95 to go one and one. The Suns are also one and one. They won the rebounding battle, even though they lost 49 to 40. Two, but the turnover battle is where the Lakers got the better of them. The Lakers turned the ball over 16 times, which is still not great. The Suns turning the ball over 24 times, which is way too much. You're not going to win like that. The Lakers with 29 points off those turnovers, 16 points on the fast break to only six for Phoenix. As I talked about the Suns, they're not going to play fast in my eyes. And then points in the paint, 36 for the Suns. 60 for the Lakers. So 60% of your points coming in the paint, even though you didn't make your three ball, you'll absolutely take that. Largest lead of the game for the Lakers was seven at seven to zero. For the Suns, it was 12. But let's read the stat lines for some of the teams. The Lakers, or for the teams, the Suns shot 42% from the field and 29% from three, 78% from the line, shot 23 free throws, made 18 of them. Nasir Little was really quiet, 13 minutes, two points, 0 for two. Both of those shots were threes. Yuta Watanabe thought he was way quieter than the last game. Came in, had a couple of fouls. He's not somebody you can attack defensively, so that's good. But I still am you know, curious to watch him play and see how relevant of a role he can play in a team with such high expectations. Three points for him. Made one three. His only three that he took was one for two from the field in 15 minutes. Phoenix going nine deep in this one. Drew Eubanks, I thought he had some good stretches where he was just moving the ball quick setting screens, playing hard, two points, four rebounds, two dimes, two turnovers from him. He was one for two from the field in 17 minutes. Then the bench standout for me for Phoenix, Jordan Goodwin, 
14 points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals. He was a plus eight when he was in. Six for 15 from the field, but one for five from three. Couldn't knock down the three ball besides that one in the first half where the Lakers went underneath the screen. He was also one for three from the foul line. So overall, in my opinion, impressed with Jordan Goodwin. For the starters, Grayson Allen played 35 minutes. I thought his defense was good, but offensively, I still don't see much from him. Feels like he misses a lot. Six points, six boards, four assists for him on two for six shooting, but he was two for four from three. Then Eric Gordon, just a lot of chucking. He was the team worst minus 27, 15 points, six for 16 from the field. Felt like you saw him handle the ball less tonight in pick and roll than against the Warriors, weirdly. Two for eight from three. Again, EJ's just older. He's going to have a lot of inefficient games. We saw that for the Clippers last season as well. But how about Yusuf Nurkic? He has his pros and his cons. The cons are he's not nearly the defender that Aiton was. He's not as athletic. His pros are he's a better passer than him. So in the high post, he can make some really nice plays. There was one play in the first half where Katie back cut on Torian Prince and Nurkic found him over the top with a really nice lob pass. Four points, nine rebounds, three assists, and three steals for Nurk, but four turnovers and five fouls. He was only one of five from the field. And 0 for 2 from 3. I'm not really behind the whole Nurk's three-point shooting thing. How about Josh Okogie? 10 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, as I said, and a block. As I said, I don't think he should be playing less than Grayson Allen. Played 33 minutes. He was 3 for 5 from the field and 2 for 4 from deep, 2 for 2 from the line. I think a really solid start to the season for Josh Okogie. Kevin Durant, really good performance, but didn't close. It is hard, though, when you don't have another star with you while the Lakers have AD and Braun. 39 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. Eight turnovers, though. 14 for 28 from the field, 50%. One for five from three, so he's off to a really rough start shooting the three ball this year. 10 for 13 from the line. You like to see KD getting back to the foul line, getting double-digit free throw attempts. And he was a plus 18, which was the highest for anyone on his team. But the Lakers are the ones that won it. Let's read the lines for them. Already talked about Cam Reddick and Jackson Hayes. Rui Hachimura, seven points, one steal, one block. Two for three from the field, one for two from three. I think he can play much more. I really do. I like what I've seen so far from him defensively. And I know what he can bring offensively, but he didn't play much in this one again. Christian Wood, 21 minutes played, 7 points, 10 rebounds. And he guarded KD decently at the end of the game. He was a plus 23, which was the highest of any Laker in his 21 minutes. Christian Wood showing some stuff. And then you add Gabe Vincent, who played 35 minutes for the Lakers in this one. 7 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists. I talked about the steals. He had three of them, three for 10 from the field, 0 for 5 from three. So he's really off to a tough start shooting the ball this season. Let's see how much he plays going forward. Austin Reeves on the quieter side, especially in the second half, only shot seven times in the game, made four of them, was one for two from three, only got two free throw attempts. Everybody always talks about how many free throws Reeves gets. It was one for two from the line, 10 points, two rebounds. You got to see a little more from Reeves. D'Lo, very solid game for him. 14 points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals and a block. So you like to see the two steals and a block. Three turnovers, six for 16 from the field, one for seven from three. I think the three ball will fall, but I thought D'Lo was a very big factor for the Laker win tonight because in stretches where they weren't scoring, he was getting some buckets. And then LeBron, 
21 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks. I think he did turn it up defensively in the fourth. Late in the game, a couple of rotations. He was sharp on, got an interception late. So I thought that he turned it up at the right time. Just may not be good enough against the team that is better or the Suns when they're fully healthy. LeBron was a plus 22. He was awesome when he was on the court. 21 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, two steals, two blocks. Seven for 14 on the field, so 50% for him, just like KD but one for five from three. So just like KD, 20% from deep, six for eight from the foul line. Very solid performance by Braun. Solid start to the season for him. 21 points in both games. Then AD, who you could argue was the player of the game as well. 30 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, three steals, three blocks, two turnovers, 10 for 17 from the field. I don't know. If, did I mention that LeBron had five turnovers? Um, but 30, 12, Two, three, and three for AD. Amazing stat line. 10 for 17 from the field. One for two from three. And here's the stat I like the most, honestly. Nine for 10 from the foul line. AD making his free throws at a 90% rate right there. 30-point game. Gotta love it if you're a Laker fan. So 51 points combined from LeBron and Anthony Davis. Overall, my take is the Lakers got to come out with better intensity and focus to start games. What they need is just to make their threes. I don't think Gabe Vincent should play so much more than Rui Hachimura. And I also think that LeBron may have to be a little bit more on the ball on occasion in the first half, especially when D'Lo or Reeves are out of the game. You may not be able to just save him for the fourth because as good as D'Lo and Reeves are, they're still not like bona fide all-star type players. So anyway, a win's a win though for the Lakers. Shooting 17% from three, that's just not going to be something that sticks in my eyes. But big win. All right, let's talk about the Suns. I'm sorry, the um, Bucks. But before I do that, I wanted to say good comments from the people saying, yeah, Max Christie. I thought he was going to get in the rotation this year, but it looks like Cam Reddish is being preferred to him as of now. And yeah, let's get into the Bucks game. So I saw in the first half, Dame had 21 points. I saw a four-point play that he had. Besides that, I didn't see much because I wasn't really, I had to post the vlog. I wasn't paying that close of attention, but Talk about an amazing debut for Damian Lillard. It does not get much better than that. I mean, Philly, you already know the deal, right? I actually really like their role players now. And I kind of like Philly now for the first time in years. No Glenn Rivers, no Plumber Jim. Got put them the fuck out of there. So I'm enjoying it. And by the way, for historical reference, if you're watching this years from now or months from now, James Harden currently, you know, I know his, I heard his mother is struggling. So best wishes to James Harden in his personal life. And, you know, you never want to hear about personal, you know, some stuff is bigger than basketball. But James Harden has been away from the team. He has missed, he missed almost, I think, yeah, he missed all the preseason games, hasn't been at practice, recently reported back to practice, and he wants to travel with the team of the Bucks. but the Sixers are saying, nah, we don't want you to travel with us. I mean, he's said that the GM is a liar. He has expressed that he wants to be traded. So at this point, I can see where the Sixers are coming from, saying we don't want this guy to play for us. He doesn't want to be here. He called our GM a liar. So, and, and listen, I'm not saying that James Harden's all in the wrong. I think Daryl Morey is absolutely in the wrong to a degree as well. He went back on his deal, said that if we didn't, we don't give you an extension and you just keep going with this current contract and we'll pay you after this season. Harden had a good season and he didn't pay him because in the playoffs he flamed out. And I don't think he trusts him. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily want him for the long haul. And now Harden is, you know, bitching about it and all that and quitting on them. And apparently he wants to play, I guess he wanted to play in this game, but as of now, they're not letting him come. So I don't think it's that big a deal. 
because I like the supporting cast and the additions that Philly made with Kelly Oubre, Pat Bev. And Kelly Oubre was phenomenal tonight. Phenomenal. Making his open threes, finishing around the basket, hitting tough shots with contact. Five for six from three in this game for Kelly Oubre. Nine for 11 from the field. 27 points and four boards. Absolutely ridiculous game from Kelly Oubre in his Sixers debut. And he was showing some passion, some emotion, as he always does. But the reason why I wanted to grill my boy Phoenix Gen Z, he was saying to me about Maxi. you guys are overrating Maxi. He's just an Embiid and Harden merchant. What are you watching, bro? Like, I, again, when I try to listen to some people, man, when I used to try to listen to some of you guys, it, and I'm like, oh, maybe my eye test is wrong. No, it's not. Like, Tyrese Maxey's nice. You see how fast he is off the bounce? In the pick and roll, he's got the floater. He's got the long three. So you got to set the screen out high. You can set the screen out higher. He's got the three, regular three ball. I mean, great finish around the basket. Now, passing, I got to watch him more to really see how good of a passer he is. But I've seen him make basic reads in the pick and roll. So Maxi is awesome, in my opinion. And in this game, he showed that. 31 points, four rebounds, eight assists, and zero turnovers. So how about that, Phoenix? Come on, brother. 10 for 22 from the field, three for eight from three, eight for 10 from the line in 40 minutes. Thought he was fantastic. Um, but the Bucks were up 63 to 54 at the half. And it was slowly but surely that the Sixers were crawling back in it. Tobias Harris, by the way, 20 points, seven rebounds, two assists. Eight for nine from the field and three for three from deep. But this is my issue with Tobias, and it always has been dating back to when he was on the Clippers. If you're eight for nine, shoot the ball more. Shoot the ball more. I remember there was one time he came off a screen and he had a floater and he just didn't take it, stopped his dribble unnecessarily because maybe he wasn't comfortable taking that floater, and he kicked it out. And it's just like, bro, he playing. Th you're playing 37 minutes, and look, the Nick Nurse effect is already happening. I can see it. 40 minutes for Maxi, 36 for Embiid, 37 for Harris. Um, but three guys with four guys with the Sixers with 20 plus points, five and double figures. But besides that, they had nobody over three points. So the depth, it's got to be a little bit better. But, you know, Nurse is not going to use them like that, to be honest. I thought that they stayed in it, though, showed some good fight. And Bede was starting to heat up in the third quarter, making the mid range. But Giannis and Dame combined for some pick and rolls. I still think Dame was very off ball for my liking, like just sitting in the corner. He still doesn't really move that much but he's obviously going to be a great spacer for them. I think Giannis was still on the ball too much in pick and roll. I don't like him as the ball handler so much in pick and roll. He's much better as a screener for me. And I think you got to put Dave on the ball a little bit more. I saw absolutely nothing from Chris Middleton in this game. Two for five and only played 16 minutes. I thought he was fully healthy. He's just playing 16 minutes out of nowhere. Remember, Dave used for two coaches in this game for their new teams. For Adrian Griffin, it's his first game as a head coach. And I remember Adrian Griffin, Adrian Griffin as the starting small forward for those 06 Mavs teams. But the Sixers, you know, Nick Nurse's first game with them, both coaches, you know, trying their best out there. And it was it was an interesting fourth quarter, I thought. The Sixers outscored the Bucks 32 to 30. As I said, they outscored them 31-25 in the third, but just like the playoffs, Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter Started bricking everything. A lot of mid-ranges, a lot of long jumpers, missing. Got a little hotter towards the end and narrowed it down. But in the fourth quarter, it was Dame time. And by the way, this, the Bucks defense, you can already feel the Drew Holiday loss. A lot of 117 points of that team. But Dame Willard, oh man, getting to the basket. He still has the ability to turn the corner. And I thought there was one time he was driving left. I think it was against Oubre. 
where he just did a great job of initiating the contact going into him. Because there's a lot of times when a guy will be on your hip and you can easily just step back. You got to keep going into him, keep leaning into him, get underneath them with the, you know, if you have a lower center of gravity, especially get underneath them and try to look to put your shoulder into him to create that separation. It's exactly what Damian Lillard did. He was getting to the line a lot. Dame in this game shot 17 free throws. And listen to this. He made every single one. Giannis, on the other hand, nine free throws and only made three. And his jumper still looks broke. Had some nice moves around the basket, Giannis. The Euro step. He had a nice spin over the right shoulder in the first half. But not seeing any of the Hakeem work, per se, so far from him. However, I think offensively, it's very clear what this Bucks team is. They're better than last year. They're better without Drew Holiday and replacing him with Dame offensively. But defensively, not as good. And even though you got guys like Jay Crowder, Majan, Beauchamp, Bobby Portis, these guys, it's still not enough to me. Jay Crowder made a big three in the fourth quarter um, to put it, make it a two-point game. It looked like the Sixers were going to run away with this for a sec. Or not run away with it, but I thought they were going to win. They were up by like seven points. Joel Embiid had this ridiculous touch pass that he punched that went straight to a Milwaukee player. I forget exactly who. And that was a huge momentum changer because I think that came right before the Jay Crowder three. Just so foolish, some of the things he does in the fourth quarter. But Damian Lillard, that between-the-legs step-back three he hit over Kelly Oubre was so wet, dude. Oh, man, Dame time. Now they have a real closer. And I thought it was really surprising that Milwaukee closed with Middleton on the bench. But they have one of the best closers of this generation now. It's going to really help them in the fourth quarter offense. And you saw Giannis deferring to him, just saying straight up, take over. Giannis is the best player, but Dame is the closer. People are saying Shaq and Kobe type stuff with these guys. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to give him that kind of praise. But in that si in that similar role where Giannis is the physically imposing force that he's going to be the best player throughout the game, then Kobe's that closer. It's kind of the same with Dame here. So something to watch going forward. But at the end of the day, it was a really tight game. Uh, the Bucks came out with the win, 118-117. to 117. The one-point game comes from a last-second three made to cut the deficit from 4-1 to one off the glass. I think it was DeAnthony Melton that made it. Yeah, it was. But Damian Lillard making two free throws to seal the deal. A picture-perfect debut for him, and he just took over that fourth quarter. Let me count how many points he had in the fourth. Let's see. Five. Six. Got fell in a lot of jump shots, Dame. 9, 12, my goodness. 12 points in the fourth. He'll take that all day long. It's a special player right there. And it's not to say that Giannis didn't play that great either. He still played pretty well. Let's read the lines, though, in this game. 44 rebounds to the Bucks to 39 for the Sixers. The Sixers turned the ball over 15 times. The Bucks 14 times. Fast break points and points in the paint were very even. Only two-point separation for each. The Bucs led by as many as 19. The Sixers led by as many as eight. Both teams shot well from the field. Bucks shot 50%. Sixers shot 51%. The Sixers shot 46% from three. The Bucs shot 37% from three. But the Bucs got to the line eight more times. Philly shot 68% from the line, 19 for 28, so not very good. Bucks didn't shoot that well either, 69%, 25 for 36 from the line. And we know a couple, six of those misses of the 11 were from Giannis. 
But the Sixers, I don't expect them to win a game like that at Milwaukee. The Bucs are just a better team. A lot of adrenaline in the building. Great Milwaukee crowd tonight as well. And the Bucs got the job done. And it was an amazing debut from Damian Lillard. The highest scoring debut in Milwaukee Bucks history. You got to love it. And it's so weird seeing Damian a Bucs jersey. I mean, going to take a lot of getting used to because after 11 years in Portland and thinking he was never going to leave, it's amazing to see it. But it's amazing. It's also amazing to see Dame in a real chance to win a championship for the first time in his career. But let's talk about the lines for the Sixers. Danny Green, super quiet. 14 minutes, 0 for 1, a donut, two rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Paul Reed. I know that was a big priority for Philly to get them to get Paul Reed back this summer. And they did. Three points, four boards on one for two shooting in 12 minutes. Pretty quiet as well. Shout out to Pat Bev, my boy. Two points, two rebounds, two assists, one for one, 14 minutes played. Very quiet as well. Then the starting five, DeAnthony Melton, 25 minutes, 10 points, two rebounds, four assists, and two steals. Three for 10 from the field, two for six from three, so 30% from the field, 33% from three, not very good. P.J. Tucker, a donut, seven rebounds. Typical P.J. Tucker stat line, two steals, 0 for 2 from the field. Both those shots were threes. Already said Tobias Harris is 20.7 boards on 8 for 9 shooting and 3 for 3 from deep. Then Maxi, 31 points, 4 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals on 10 for 22 shooting, 3 for 8 from 3 and 8 for 10 from the line. Then MVP Joel Embiid, 24.7 rebounds, 6 assists, 7 turnovers. Oh my God. On 9 for 21 shooting, 3 for 7 from deep and 3 for 8 from the foul line. That's ridiculous. How do you shoot 3 for 8 from the foul line? Giannis had 23 points and 13 boards to go along with three assists, two steals, two blocks, and seven turnovers. My goodness. Yeah, Jokic is a lot better than both of those two, in my opinion, right now. 10 for 22 for Giannis, 0 for 3 from deep. I still don't think Giannis should shoot threes at all. Three for nine from the foul line. I already mentioned Middleton, six points, three boards, four assists, two steals on just two for five from the field. Lopez, 13 points, two rebounds, no blocks. Five for seven from the field, three for four from deep, though. Lopez hitting his three ball. Malik Beasley with just five points. Bobby Portis, 10 points, six boards on five for eight shooting off the bench. And Dame, 39 points, eight rebounds, four assists, no turnovers on nine for 20 shooting, four for 12 from three. So he actually didn't shoot that well from three. 17 for 17 from the line in a one-point victory for the Bucks. But that's it for me tonight, guys. My computer is going to die in a sec, so I'm going to have to get off. But let's read the comments um, right now. Yeah, Ham giving credit to our miss, mi- minutes over. Christy is missing me off. But any- anyway, for the listeners on, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you thought. And yeah, Lakers 1-1, one one, Bucks 1-0, one oh, Sixers 0-1, oh and, and the Suns 1-1. One one. Peace and have a good one. Yeah, guys, my computer's on 1%. I forgot to bring the charger. So thank you guys so much. Make sure you comment on the video, please, for the algorithms. And check out my vlog from last night. It was awesome.